Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. We're so happy that you're able to join us uh, today, this week. Uh, my name is Spencer Snow, and I'm joined here with the other pastors here from Monroe Missionary Baptist Church for another episode of Pastors of the Roundtable. Uh, this week, this is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by T- Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Around the table is Tim Michelangeli, Scott Slater, Dave Arnold um, here as we are launching a new series uh, beginning today. I think, uh, if I looked right, this is episode 82, so we're actually coming up pretty close on our 100th episode. Hmm. What are we going to do? I don't I don't know. We should do we should one eat something hot for Scott. What do you think, I Scott? A, I have a hot Mountain Dew in the fridge. Oh. Dude. I haven't drank it yet. No? Well, Why not? I just haven't thought about it. Cora drank Spencer's. <laughs> Which you all right? She loved it. <laughs> yeah. Did you she's, she's a tough girl, she man. Just kept chugging it down. She's tough. How many lollipops did she have last night? <laughs> Yeah, she I just kept know. taking it. Can you, you teach your children? I, know. I need to restrain her. Courtney already. T- yeah, I think Courtney had told she her before. She did ask me for the second one, and I said, okay. "That's fine, but take it to your mom. Make yeah. sure it's okay." And Courtney had told her no more, and she went and grabbed a third, and she came back and says, "All done after this one, or something like <laughs> and that." She wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> she was. Her brothers she, ratted her out she, on four. She, she did a fourth one. Yeah. We only knew about three. She yeah. had four. And Uriah was ratting her yeah. out. She, she just had four. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I think he was wanting for all Yeah, he would. Their, their relationship is going to be neat to watch through the years. Um, a little bit of antagonism there. Um, so, we're going to talk about the Baptist faith and message. So, some people listening to this podcast probably may not may not know what the Baptist faith and message is. Um, and so we're going to talk about it in this series. So I guess let's start off right here with a very basic question. What is the Baptist faith and message? How would you answer? I mean, I would. if people were to ask us at our church, if they say, what do you guys believe? You know, what is your statement of faith? Or, you know, where can I go to see what you guys are going to be like teaching or whatever? I think our website even says this. It would reference the Baptist faith and message. It has the whole thing on it. We have it listed, or is it a link? It has the whole thing. Yeah, It's all there. It's Mm -hmm. right there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there it is. And say you can read that, and you get a general understanding then of who we are, what we teach, where we leave. And so it's a, it's, it's a, the Baptist faith and message is something that was made. I think this is what we're going to talk about, but. Uh, through the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. right? There was a committee told to, let's let's write on this. What do we as Southern Baptists believe? Where do we kind of stand? And I would probably tell them it's a more uh, general statement than some others that you could find that are going to be a lot more specific maybe in some areas. It's a little more, more general because Southern Baptist Convention has a desire to have cooperation, not just among everybody who's exactly the same, but there is some broadness given there uh, to that. And uh, so that's what the ba- the Baptist faith and message is. I mean, that's it just in general. That's what I would tell somebody is it's a very general thing that you can go read. It'll, it'll have a lot of uh, scripture references mm-hmm. in the things that you can go look uh, to where they've come up with it. But it'll address things like who's got, you know, God, sin, man, uh I don't know, church, right, things like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, yeah. 
So it's a statement of faith or a confession of faith, however you want to phrase that, mm-hmm. listing, I guess, what the Baptist faith and the message <laughs> is. I mean, right? Yeah. Um, Scott, do you, or Dave, do you guys have anything further to add about that? Um, I, I, I'm kind of the uh, newer, if you will, to that. And it's interesting. I was just thinking about this. When I came into Southern Baptist life in 2005 as a church planter mm. with NAM, I didn't learn this at all. It was never oh. within our training. It really? Was n- nothing. I'm not kidding. I was just I was with the Illinois State Baptist Association and the Chicago Metropolitan Baptist Association. So two strains and I didn't know about this until I came to Southeast Michigan South or to the Southeast Baptist Association. Yeah. SEBA. Yes, SEBA, thank you. That's uh and uh and, and that was yeah, it was my first exposure and I remember reading the book that I'm like, This is really good. Like mm. this is really good as far as like it's a comprehensive guide, if you will, to what we believe. It has scripture references, but I, I mean, so 2005, you know, right to 2011, I was with SBC under NAM as a church planner. Not once did I ever. And NAM, it might be helpful for people. NAM is North American Mission Board. And that is the Southern Baptist North American missionary arm Mm -hmm. for missionary endeavors. So did your church, your church plant, did it not have a statement of faith? Hmm. No, not not the Baptist faith and message. I'm trying to remember. I think we went. I think we referenced like the uh, the CMBA Chicago Metropolitan Baptist Association website for like you know to to if you want to further what we believe. And they might have had a link to this, but I never. I don't remember. I don't recall that. I never was uh, informed about that. Mm. So yeah. Okay, so it's a statement of faith, a confession of faith, particularly of what Southern Bab- the, the Southern Baptist Convention um, teaches. This is Al Moeller, who was one of the guys who was, he's the current president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary um, in Louisville, Kentucky. He was also part of the, uh, helped revise the most recent edition of this statement in 2000. He says this, the Baptist faith and message is the doctrinal statement that advertises to the world what Southern Baptists believe. It establishes the base parameters for SBC entities to use in employment, and it serves as a written testimony to the convictions that unite Southern Baptists and undergird our cooperation. Um, so it's it plays, and there's a lot of words in there that some people may not know about entities, but basically it's the governing confessional document for the whole convention and unites the churches, the local churches to the convention and kind of serves as a, as a, a doctrinal tie uh, to uh, yeah, so, everybody, right? I mean, is right, that fair yeah, to say? Yeah, and a big deal too is, you know, there's a lot of money in the Southern Baptist Convention and you mentioned the entities. There's missionary boards, there's seminaries, there's state convention. There's all kinds of different things that people uh, are paid and become employees of. And the Baptist faith and message would be one that is supposed to be handed to all these people and say, before you're employed here, do you agree to this? And and if they don't, and it's like, well, you can't be employed here then. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and, and that was a what we'll see, I think, as we go through. It's a really big deal in the seminaries. Because of the teachers, you want to make sure that the teachers are teaching our our future pastors and missionaries what we actually believe and stand on according to according to Scripture, and that's that's why we have uh, some some additions additions one not right not 
not additions. Right. But editions. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I was going to point out about what Moeller said there is that he says that it is it establishes the base yeah. parameters. So in that sense, if you're part of a Southern Baptist church, you can have other things that you believe, mm-hmm. uh, or even our entities can have other things. Like Southern Seminary has something else called the um, the Abstractive Principles right. that goes beyond what the Baptist Faith and Message says. But the Baptist faith and message is just the base. It's like the common denominator mm. that at least mm-hmm. what should be. Right. Right. And so if there's something on top of this that doesn't contradict what it says. Correct. Then, yeah. It's sort right. Of because foundation. one of the things that comes to mind is I think Midwestern Seminary requires, they may, I don't know if you have to sign like another Danvers statement maybe, or something about, uh, isn't that about biblical manhood, manhood and womanhood? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think those also potentially serve as documents for that seminary along with. So it kind of goes along with what you're saying, Scott. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is also an important document because it's the first ever convention-wide statement of faith. The SBC actually did not have a convention-wide statement of faith until 1925. That doesn't mean that Baptists didn't have confessions of faith. Their local churches and their associations had confessions of faith stating that that functioned in similar purposes to say this is what we believe this is what we're going to teach um, this is uh, what governs us but as far as a full convention this is the first time the whole convention brought together to have a a statement of faith of sorts um, uh, to to help unite the whole the whole denomination uh, or I guess they're not a denomination technically. Yeah, the whole convention the to whole unite convention. the whole convention, mm-hmm. right? It's actually interesting because in our church history, I should have brought that in here with us. But in our church history, uh, when our church was first establishing, it doesn't say anything about the Baptist faith and message. It actually referenced it referenced something else called the Pendleton Manual, uh, which had a statement of faith in there, which comes off of I think. I think we had talked about it yeah. before, Spencer. I think it comes off what, what we'll talk about, I'm guessing, is like yeah. the New Hampshire Baptist right. Confession. Um, and so even us as a church, I can't remember the first date when I saw them talking about the, the Baptist faith and message. It wasn't too long after that. Sure. You know, I'd be establishing, but it wasn't right away. It was like, as a church, we're coming together here. We're forming as a church, and this is our statement of faith, and these are our documents that you can go to if you want to know what we're going to teach. Right. And it referenced the Pendleton Manual, which right. I, pur- I, re- I, I uh, purchased recently, recently, but I haven't read it all yet. Awesome. And see, that's I'm glad you said that, because that's what, because uh, we when I came under as a church planter, I worked with Chicagoland Community Church, which I know uh, Scott uh, was familiar with, um, Pastor John Pennington, and he he went to Southeast, Southeast Baptist Seminary, is that Missouri? No. No. Missouri's That's Midwestern. in North Carolina. Oh, Midwestern. Yeah. I think he went to Midwestern. Anyway, um, the Pendleton mem- manual, that's what I had received. Or was, oh, really? Was, I, yeah, they used that. I remember, huh. um, I don't know if it was, I think it was a link on their site, um, but I remember there was, because I remember that name mm-hmm. specifically. I don't know if I read it, but um, I remember <laughs> it being as an option. So that's, yeah. yeah mm. so. Interesting. And, and just so people know, we're not going to talk today. We don't want to go into necessarily why creeds are important. We actually did a podcast mm-hmm. fairly recently about Baptists and creeds and what do we think about What them. number of podcasts was that? I can't remember. It's probably like in the <laughs> 70s, maybe. So if you go back in the podcast feed, you might be able to listen to that. Um, 
So where did the Baptist faith and message come from? Well, there's a few things I want to just kind of lay out some background, but uh, I think, I don't know if this is true, but as far as denominationally, Scott, you might, you might know this, um, was the abstract of principles. It was published in 1858, which was the governing, it was like the statement of faith for the, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, the first convention-wide seminary uh, for the SBC. Um, and this abstract of principles is still used at Southern Seminary, like you said, alongside it. It was the first document, and the Baptist Faith of Message came along as well. Um, and so that may be the first actual SBC confession written, even though it wasn't denomination for the whole denomination or convention. It was just for the, the seminary. I don't know for certain, but that is in SBC life, at least in the past. And so you could go type in abstract of principles and you could read that. It's a very short statement, um, succinct, succinct, but, um, but good. Um, another statement of faith that was used often and very popular in Baptist churches was the New Hampshire confession, which I believe is what was found in the Pendleton manual, mm-hmm. yeah. which is what MNBC originally said, this is what we believe. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was originally put together in 1833, I think maybe revised in the 1850s. Um, but it became um, a very popular confession of faith with Baptists in the United States um, became very popular um, and such. And, uh, and then, but before that even as well was the, uh, the, if you want to read a big confession of faith, it's the, uh, second London Baptist confession from 1689, which is a very big confession. Um, and you can, you could check that out. So those are some of the precursors that are in the background when we come, uh, to the Baptist faith and message. So the first time we ever see a ba- a statement, a document called the Baptist faith and message put together was in 1925, which is crazy to think it's almost 100 years ago now. Um, and going on in 1925, the Roaring Twenties, um, and this is uh, the the Baptist faith and message was put together, and this was the first time uh, this statement was put together. Actually, the 1925 Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention was a very big meeting, I believe, because that was the, not only the time that they passed this first ever uh, statement uh, confession of faith, but also the first time the the cooperative program mm-hmm. was was launched as well, right in 1925. So a very huge, momentous uh, meeting for Southern Baptist life. Um, but the the chairman of this was a guy named E. Y. Mullins. He, needless to say, he was a very important guy in Southern Baptist life at the time. Um, Jason Allen, who's the uh, president of one of our seminaries, writes about this background from 1925, kind of gives the occasion. He writes this, of course, the immediate context was the fundamentalist modernist, modernist controversy and within it, the creationist evolutionist debates. So in the background of if in church life in the 1920s, part of the problem was, is you had people who were defending, um, true Christianity and the supernatural elements in it saying, you know, the Jesus really did rise from the grave. The virgin birth is real. And then you had people on the other side saying, we don't need a virgin birth. We don't really need Jesus to have risen from the grave. He doesn't really need to do miracles. And so that's kind of in the background alongside this whole evolution. We think about um, a famous trial, the Scopes monkey trial from Tennessee, um, which was a big evolution trial public thing in the 1920s. Um, it was a huge deal. And so that's kind of in the background as Southern Baptists are, are in the midst of all of this controversy going on, trying to um, address uh, some of these issues. 
And so, um, and so what did they say here? Well, I've got here the pres- the, the occasion they say was a reaffirmation of Christian fundamentals. So in other words, the basics of true Christianity, um, and because they were concerned about the, the presence of naturalism. So the idea that you don't need a supernatural, you don't need Jesus to raise from the dead. You don't need an inspired inerrant Bible. You don't need a virgin birth. You don't need all these miracles. And the Baptist faith and message was written to say, actually, we do. They were reaffirming those things in a public in a public uh, way. Yeah, and I think it's important to mention that the Southern Baptist Convention was not the only group of Christians going through this no. kind of division at this time. Right. Like a lot of other groups were going through this, and this is the way that Southern Baptists decided to deal with it. Right, and, and actually, you know, the SBC didn't divide over this amazingly. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Northern Baptists did. Um, there was a big, sad split, but um, anyway... But yeah, you're right that Southern Baptists were amazingly able to kind of navigate that in the 20s. So what they did was they recommended this New Hampshire Confession of Faith, which our church in its base documents uh, has as our statement of faith. They recommended this statement of faith that many Baptist churches used, revised it a bit, and added some other articles, some other statements. um, And so they they added some other further statements to it and then put it for approval. for the convention. Uh, some of those additional articles they added on there, they, they talked about religious liberty. They had a statement on peace and war, a statement on education, a statement on social service, a statement on cooperation, evangelism and missions, stewardship, um, and uh, the kingdom uh, as well. So any further, any comments just real quick about any of those background details or anything you're, that's coming to mind before I keep going? Not too much. Do you know, uh, did you come across at all, like, uh, how it well accepted it was? I mean, like, the vote, I mean, there had to be a vote to I accept don't know. This. Scott might know. Did, do let's, you know? Let's look at the report on the committee. Oh, yeah, you've got the report gosh. right yeah. here. Never you mind. need to read the report hey, of the I, committee? I redact my question. <laughs> oh, I take it back. <laughs> Point of order. <laughs> what does it say, Scott? I just. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking for it. Yeah. I just I just had wondered how well uh, accepted it was and everything. Is that when it says that the call for the previous question? No, that was. <laughs> I don't know how to read all these reports. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't say what the actual number of votes were for adopting the Baptist faith and message. I don't think. No. Okay. But they did pass it, and, yeah, they, pass. Al- they, just, and they also added... But they didn't split either, so it makes right. me think it wasn't like a 55-45 vote right, or something. Right, right. Well, and yeah. also a couple of important things to say as well. They also added a little description at the very beginning about um, the role of creeds and confessions in Baptist life. So they listed that, which is actually interesting, and reprinted even in the 2000 edition, um, the preface. So they kept that, and also they had a little statement at the back they appended about science and religion which again is in the background is what's the relationship between religion and science um and you can think about the whole evolution controversy going on um in the background as well so uh, jason ellen writes this about the 1925 statement he says so the 1925 meeting produced a statement that was based upon the new hampshire statement and intentionally as inclusive as possible being oblique or un you know uh, broad on matters like the age of the earth and manner of creation, Calvinism and eschatology, and measured in its prescription for matters like church government. So he, uh, Jason Allen, writing about the, or speaking and writing about the uh, 
the this first statement says it was intentionally broad on a on a certain number of issues, while still trying to reassert the fundamentals of uh, of Christianity. So it sounds like because of cultural tensions, this was revived, and they went back to the New Hampshire um, statement of New Hampshire. Statement yeah, of faith. yeah. And dusted it off, if you will, sure. to be like, okay, we need to we need to counter this cultural movement, and this was kind of birthed out of that. Is that is that correct? That yeah, I think that was yeah. definitely the occasion. Right. Yeah, the in context. which, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, out of that. Okay. Well, I was just something that I was thinking through, reading through the things that you had sent us, Spencer. Is we asked the question earlier: Did Southern Baptist churches not use confessions mm-hmm. of faith before right. this? And mm-hmm. yes, they did. But I think what was happening in the culture of Southern Baptist churches was that a lot of the churches were no longer following those mm. those creeds mm. and those confessions. Yeah. And so this was seen as, again, I don't think you can divorce the adoption of the Baptist faith and message from the creation of the cooperative program. Mm. Mm. They were happening at the same time. And so they they I think that the SBC was just realizing if we're going to continue to cooperate for the for the sake of missions together, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we at least agree on these things. Mm-hmm. And could you quickly say what the cooperative program is, just in case somebody doesn't know? Yeah, so the cooperative program, in very basic terms, is just a pooling of money uh, that all Southern Baptist, well, I guess most all Southern Baptist <laughs> churches give to. Uh, that is, they give to one program, and it's kind of already defined of how that money is going to be divided among North American missions, worldwide missions, state missions. So like you have your state conventions that you're part of. It, goes, it doesn't go to associations, um, but it's, it's just basically the pool of money that Southern Baptists give to. Mm-hmm. And at the annual meeting, they vote and decide how that money is going to be dispersed. Okay among the various entities. That's one of the big things that is right. voted on. Right. So that, yeah, so that's, it's basically a pooling of resources that are, that are decided to be divvied up in a certain, yeah. in a the, certain way. Yeah. The cooperative program is how we support the seminaries. It's how we support missions, uh, in both North America and in the world and other entities. As well. So before this Southern Baptist churches had confessions of faith, but the Southern Baptist Convention mm-hmm. did not have a statement of faith, if I can put it that way. Yes. That's mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of the background. This statement was put out in 1925, um, you know, and uh, yeah, you can you can actually read the 1925 edition if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, find it online. Um, Tim, why don't you read that for us right now? Yeah. Yeah, you ready? Read that? Read that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Just uh <laughs> Grab you some tea, in your chair. (laughs) And that statement of faith lasted till 1963 Mm. when it was revised. So we have a second edition of this uh, statement of faith. Um, And the the reason was is because there was a big controversy. Uh, I think this is from Jason Allen. Again, he says, uh, in, in the 60s again, it says, Southern Baptists were in the midst of controversy in 1963 primarily over teaching in their seminaries that presumed a different view of the Bible than the majority of Southern Baptists in the pews. And I don't know if that's, I don't know, that could be Jason Allen or that could be Al Mohler. Either way, it's, it's true. There was a guy named Ralph Elliott who was teaching at Midwestern Baptist Seminary who proposed that the first 11 chapters of Genesis were not historical accounts which is a big deal, right? Um, Adam and Eve and all those different things, right? He, um, Adam was not a historical man, but a metaphor for all of uh, mankind. Um, so 
you could imagine why people in the pew, whenever they start hearing, there was a famous article, I think, that was that there's death in the pot that some conservative uh, Baptist had written and said, look, this is what's going on. We got to deal with this. This is not good. Um, and so um, there was a lot of denominational angst. And Jason Allen, uh, again, writes and says, arguably, the denominational tension was greater than both 1925 and the SBC controversy leading up to the 2000 revision, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, a guy named Herschel Hobbs, Porter Ruth, and other SBC statesmen felt a split in the convention was possible, if not probable, if they did not reassure the churches on the orthodoxy of the seminaries and denominational leadership. Herschel Hobbs chaired the committee, which included all state convention presidents. So Herschel Hobbs was, is, in case people don't know, he was a preacher from Oklahoma and was known as Mr. Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived from 1907 to 1995, and he was the guy. What year were you born? What? Scott, what year were you born? 1991. Oh, so close. you were four. I think it was handed to Scott. He was died it? in 95. <gasps> Was that what it was? The title was handed to Scott. Oh, there will be a child born. Herschel Hobbs reincarnated. <laughs> is that who that you are, Scott? The prophecy came true. Oh my goodness, Scott. I didn't think about that. Mr. Southern. That should be a thing everybody runs for every year. You Mr. Should, Southern yeah. Baptist. And you get to park in a nice spot at Lifeway. Yeah. And yeah. At all the, they have no physical locations anymore. Oh, yeah, I forgot. They have a headquarters. They have a headquarters. Yeah, they got a headquarters somewhere. Yeah, yeah, they're actually yeah. moving again. They built that big building in Nashville. Now they're moving again. Where are they going? I can't remember. Is it New York? New York, maybe? Is it New York City? It might be New York. I don't remember. Something like that. Um, Sorry. No, it's okay. So so the thing is, uh, people were were concerned about what's going on in the SBC, and rightfully so. This is not good stuff. So we need to address the uh, Baptist faith and message, maybe. And they were trying to avoid a split in the convention. And so they put Herschel Hobbs, who overall was a guy who he believed the Bible was true. He was a, a, a preacher um, in his church, right? He preached the scriptures. Um, but needless to say, was probably not the most adept theologian. And the, while he was trying to, I think, soothe people and say, we're trying to, we're going to be conservative and everything. The reality was, as Jason Allen uh, points out, the revision was a disaster, and um, it was supposed to actually strengthen the Baptist faith and message, but it actually weakened it. Um, uh, so I think it, maybe this is from Alan again. It says the committee sought wide input from seminary professors and presidents who were only too happy to give it. The revision of Article 1, the article in the scriptures, was especially problematic, stating that the Bible is the record of God's revelation and that the criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ. And he continues and says this, the entire episode is indicative of this era in SBC life. Talk about the 1960s, which was our programmatic heyday. They just were not thinking theologically. And those who were, were thinking more of Julius Wellhausen, who was a, a liberal scholar, than John Dagg and James Boyce, who were conservative Southern Baptist theologians from the past. He says, I'm reminded of this every time I read the founding minutes of Midwestern Seminary. The trustees had endless debates over architects and minute budgetary details, but they populated their faculty with theological moderates with with little trustee discussion. Um, So 
what, he, what Jason Allen there is pointing out is even though the intention was supposedly to make a more conservative document, it actually made it more moderate or liberal, it was particularly with scriptures. And also Herschel Hobbes also further weakened our doctrine of sin yeah. um, further. Uh, and you'll notice as well, I believe the original 1925 section uh, w- labeled it the fall of man. Mm-hmm. Well, it got changed to just man. Mm-hmm. Um, so just further, and, and wording also under that article, so we had a weaker doctrine of sin, a weak doctrine of Scripture. So and, let's ask real quick, though, what's, yeah. the, pro- what's the problem with is the record of God's revelation right. yeah. and that the criterion by which the Bible is to be interpreted is Jesus Christ? What's the? How does that weaken it? Right, so people could say, well, this is the record of God's revelation, so it, it's... The, the Bible itself is not the revelation. It just simply tells us yeah. about the revelation. So the Bible can be full, have errors in it, right. but it still is pointing us to this truth. Mm-hmm. And also, you, if the criterion is Jesus Christ, well, then if something in the Bible doesn't match up with what I think Jesus would do or who Jesus is, then I can scrap that part of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So it actually makes it very subjective right. to where the individual interpreter then becomes the master of what the Bible says rather than the text itself mm-hmm. telling us what it's saying. I think those are some, yeah. Yeah, which we see then play out, right, in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention because then from there, our seminaries just got worse. Yeah, right. Uh, more uh, liberal teaching, which I maybe we need to define what we mean by liberal teaching. Yeah, We're not talking it. about, like, social things. We're talking about theologically liberal where, like you were saying, saying this isn't the— uh, inerrant word of God. We can't, we can't truly trust everything and it's okay. You know, the message is fine, but like, like the creation stuff, mm-hmm. that's, that's just giving us kind of a, I don't know, an allegory or mm-hmm. uh, just a sense of what God was doing. It, Adam wasn't real, right? you know, or, you know, this is out of, or we don't really know if the tower of Babel, you know, was really right. built, you know, stuff like that. Uh, and that's what we mean by by liberal, the, mm-hmm. theologically there. Mm-hmm. And that continued to infiltrate our seminaries to the point to when, um, man, what, when would it have been? Was it the 80s or 90s? When did Moeller take over? 93, I think. Okay, so in the 90s, the early Scott 90s. Scott was born? Was that, oh, you were two born years, 91. Two years after okay. I was born. Yeah. Uh, See, Scott's birth was like a dawning a of a new age. For yeah. such a time as <laughs> this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it is. Well, also, and, and I remember watching a video um, about Southern Seminary's history. And was it Mark Dever or somebody who was saying they were in class at Southern Seminary before the conservatives took it back? And they were like talking to him and they're like, well, do you believe in the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ literal? He's like, well, yeah. He's like, oh, you'll get over that soon. <laughs> something like, it was See, something was crazy like that. Our seminaries. Right. And that's what, yeah. that's what we mean by liberal, liberal yes. mm-hmm. is denial of those things. A scripture. Yeah. It's a good book, but is it inerrant and infallible? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and no, it, yeah, it's a good book. And, um, and, and also, I mean, there was a push for, um, uh, women in ministry, yeah. mm-hmm. um, where uh, you know the church for two thousand years has basically stood on the side of, apart from some people that you know, the Bible clearly says that men only are supposed to fill the pastoral office. Um, so a lot of nuances like that, mm-hmm. I think, were were going on. A lot of a uh, lot of errors. That issue, yeah. women in ministry, was actually the more divisive issue for Moeller when he came to Southern Seminary yeah. mm-hmm. uh-huh. than was the. Uh, the understanding of the scriptures. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can actually go back. I think it's on YouTube and watch. Like he had Q and A sessions mm-hmm. with people. They are and they heated. get heated. Like right. and he's just standing on stage answering like yep. all by himself. Yeah, wow. and people just going at him wow. about right. a lot of the the women's stuff and different things. Huh. And he mm-hmm. stands there and takes it and answers everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. fought he fought those battles. But I just bring that up because that's what then leads to the two thousand yeah. Baptist faith and message, which actually Scott and I kind of had to study a little bit and doing some work with our association um, to try to see why. You know why did why was this rewritten and you and you saw it was it was to combat the weaknesses that came from the the sixty three versions try to mm. to try to button it up so that you couldn't sidestep and so like for an example in Article One with the scriptures where before what we just talked about it said is the record of God's revelation it it changed it to and is God's revelation right mm-hmm. um, and so there's no loophole there this is god's revelation this and i think that's a good word because some people would hear those words and say well what's the problem with it well if you're if if you're if you're somebody who who is is more theologically liberal you see that as a loophole well yeah of course i believe that's a record of god's revelation Mm -hmm. now is it the revelation of god no but it is a record yeah no problem it's like with our constitution right Correct. i mean you have people who liberally interpret the constitution you have people who are more conservative they fight this out in court and in law and in classrooms at our most prestigious universities right mm-hmm. and they fight back and forth and and as you see certain uh, uh, teachers professors at Harvard and Yale and these big schools if they become more liberal in their interpretation of the constitution what you're going to see is that just happen nationwide eventually because their students are becoming the next judges and lawyers mm-hmm. and, and that then become, and so that's what was happening within Southern Baptist Correct. life as well. So all of that's going on after the 63 revision, there was a movement, an intentional, I don't know what you want to call it, an intentional movement, an intentional group of people who were trying to re-steer the Southern Baptist Convention back to a more theologically conservative uh, foundation. And this, in a sense, culminates in 2000 when the Baptist faith and message was revised for the third time, and this is the most recent addition that we have, and it still governs Southern Baptist life today. The chairman was the famous pastor from uh, Memphis, Adrian Rogers, um, who chaired it, who had been a past Southern Baptist president Mm -hmm. of the whole convention. Um, And he was on it. Al Moeller, who's a current uh, seminary president, served on this this committee. And uh, so they were called upon to revise uh, the Baptist faith and message uh, again. Um, Yeah, and so here again we have... um, I think this maybe is from old Al Mohler. He says this, the historical importance of the Baptist faith and message revision of 2000 lies in its nearly unprecedented status as an intentionally convert conservative revision of a major denominations. Oh, he used the word denomination confession of faith. <laughs> this event came as a capstone achievement of what is commonly referred to as the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist convention. So real quick, why is it, an un, he says, a nearly unprecedented status as an intentionally conservative revision? Why, why is that such a, um, an uncommon thing that happens? It's unprecedented because virtually every other denomination had slid into liberalism in the same way that the SBC did. Mm. And the, the way that those denominations chose to correct was to split 
into more into you have your liberal wing now and your conservative, but the SBC did not split. Instead, the whole denomination started trending conservative mm-hmm. again, yeah. and it, that had not happened anywhere else before. And mm-hmm. other other denominations, <laughs> like we think about the mainline churches, like the Presbyterian Church USA, they and others, they just continue once they move left. Or to the to a theologically liberal perspective, they continue yeah. on that trajectory. There's it's like no a snowball effect. There's no pulling it back. Yeah. And the SBC was able to pull it back, mm-hmm. um, which is a very unique unique thing um, in 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 American religious life. Mm-hmm. So he says this: the movement began in the recognition by many concerned Southern Baptists that the denomination was sliding into theological liberalism. Some seminary professors were denying crucial doctrines in the classroom. The denomination's Sunday school board was publishing materials contrary to Baptist conviction, and the problem of theological liberalism was showing up in the mission fields and in the pulpits. A movement to correct the shift emerged in the 1970s and gained strength throughout the 1980s. The 1990s were a decade of definition and consolidation of conservative gains, and yet one issue loomed over the denomination as the century drew to a close. What about the Baptist faith and message? One crucial aspect of the conservative resurgence was the recovery of confessionalism. The role of the convention's Baptist faith and message was essential, indeed far more essential than many conservatives had realized. Trustees and boards and presidents of SBC entities needed a doctrinal standard in order to identify who should and should not teach in the schools, what was and was not acceptable in the classroom, in publication, and in personal beliefs. This is among the very purposes of a confession of faith. So the Southern Bat so the revision brought about, as Tim already read before, a more conservative doctrine of scripture it is the inspired revelation of god to us it um i think further it changed again the doctrine of sin a little bit um to a more conservative stance um and such but this was obviously kind of since the capstone of moving the denomination as a whole to a more solid uh, biblical biblical ground so um, that's kind of a, an overview real quick of the, of the three editions of what is the Baptist faith and message? Where did it come from? Um, you guys have any comments before we wrap up this episode? No, I do not. Okay. You did a good job. Mr. Southern Baptist, do you have anything? <laughs> Junior. Will Junior. You, will you bless this? <laughs> is this information accurate and true <laughs> to the best of your knowledge? <laughs> To the best of my knowledge, yes. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So. All right. All right. Good. Well, next week we're going to talk about, we're going to continue this. So I know this is a lot of information, but I think it's helpful for people to kind of know where this thing comes from. Next week we want to talk about not simply what it is, but now we're next week we want to talk about what does it do? How does it function? So what? How does it function in the the, the convention that we are a part of as a local church, how does it function in our local church, um, and so on. And what we're getting to, I don't know if you mentioned this yeah, at the beginning, ahead. is we're going to actually go through the Baptist faith and message right. and read right. what it mm-hmm. says. We'll do episodes like on, what does it say about the scriptures? What does it say about God? What does it say right. about the fall of man? Right. And, so this is just the intro This part. is just the intro. We're trying to do a couple intro ones so you yeah. can get a grasp of mm-hmm. what it is, where it came from, and then we'll look at the specifics of it. And so if you've ever wondered, you know, what does the Baptist faith and message said it at our church, the Baptist faith and messages, I mean, I've always known about it even as a kid. So I not necessarily like I've, I read it and went through it, but 
our church said it and spoke about it. And so I would think most people who grew up here have, has heard of it and, but maybe has never read it. And so that's why we thought maybe this would be a good thing to do is to actually let's go through it and, and see what it says. We've talked about some other confessions, you know, we've talked about creeds and different things. Well, let's walk through the, the Baptist faith and message and see mm-hmm. what it says. That's why, that's why we're doing good it. Good point. Thank I, you was, for doing that. I was going to say, I mean, anybody who's listening to this, like I would actually challenge you, like before you listen to the next, the episode next week, go read the Baptist faith and message on our website. Mm-hmm. If you've never read it before, you should probably do that. <laughs> what tab is it under Scott? Do you know? I don't know, but you can also go to Baptist faith and or bfm.sbc.net. Okay. And it's there, but there's also other cool stuff that you can see there because this is all cool. <laughs> I think this is cool. We know. <laughs> but you can like you can look at we've used this. This was helpful for me and you, Tim, when like you said, we were revising mm. the our associations bylaws mm-hmm. and stuff, that there's a comparison chart. Mm-hmm. If you want to see That's the good. differences between the twenty five, yeah. sixty three and two thousand, you can do that with this comparison chart and it's Great. pretty neat. That's a, that's a really helpful tool, Scott. Yeah, because and it is helpful because there are churches today still who, in their documents, will say we adhere to the Baptist Faith and Message sixty three version, right? Not the two thousand. And me and Scott were like, well, why would they do that? And when we started looking at it, for us, it became very clear: you shouldn't observe the sixty three, right? You should be saying the two thousand because it becomes such a more of a conservative document with the 2000 yeah. one, mm-hmm. you know, but you got to research that and know. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of churches just do 63 cause they're still stuck in the sixties <laughs> <laughs> and they're just holding on to it. <laughs> well, it's a personal opinion. Yeah, no. And there are some, yeah, 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 you're right. That's a helpful thing too. Actually, it's funny though, cause Moeller points out in one of his things that there is no such thing as a 63 edition to, there's only the Baptist faith and message <laughs> okay. as it was, this is, you, know, you can't just, okay. you know, it's like, yeah, technically speaking, there is no, he's one of the, yeah, okay. Isn't that awesome? He's a loophole guy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to this. Um, we hope it's been helpful and, uh, we hope you'll join us next week. Take care. God bless.